Thank, thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. Well, welcome this morning to Chapel Street Church South Street Campus for worship on Christmas Eve Sunday. Now, it doesn't feel much like Christmas Eve outside, uh, but in here it is. And we are going to together celebrate in worship the coming of our Lord Jesus as Savior and King into our world. But before we do that, just a couple of announcements. First of all, next Sunday, which is New Year's Eve, we will have an in-person service here. Uh, at South Street at 9 a.m., just like always. If you are unable to be here due to travel or whatever, we will have, a, there's an online service at 9.30. You can reach from our website or on our YouTube channel. And then beginning the following Sunday after that, beginning of the new year, January 7th, we start a brand new preaching series called Praying with Paul. We'll be looking through Paul's prayers in the New Testament and seeing how he can encourage us, challenge us, and help shape our own experience of prayer. And during the month of January, we'll have a few other prayer experiences uh, for us together as a church family as well. You'll hear more about those in the days ahead. Now, hopefully, when you all walked in today, you were handed one of our little candles. Uh, we'll be using them later in the service as we close with Silent Night. But you might want to make sure yours works. I'm sure you all have already. So just slip it on once, see? And then you can flip it off and keep it off till the end of the service. Now, as we begin our service, we'll have our, the lighting of our fourth Advent candle. Good morning. My name is Nora. Um, my name is Doug. I'm Addie. I'm Charlie. I'm Gretchen. And I'm Chuck. Uh, we are the Williams family, and we are here to light the Advent candle of love. Your covenant of love was established with your people long ago. We remember and trust in your promises as we walk by faith. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. We wait in anticipation. Let your love fall on us. Come, Emmanuel, come. We have spent the Advent season uh, telling you about Serve the World, which is Chapel Street's way of making the gospel visible in our local community and globally around the world through different ministry partners. Uh, one of our ministry partners through many years and more recently through Serve the World is Wayside Cross Ministries in Aurora. And that's a ministry that focuses on helping men recover uh, through faith in Christ from the struggles with all kinds of addiction. Uh, this is the story of one of those men. His name is Corey. So watch the screens. I was taken from my parents when I was young, in and out of foster shelters, homes, different parents, feeling like nobody wanted me. I just have been through so much and I've carried so much 
anger towards myself. I would say first started drinking alcohol. I was in high school. I had a best friend at the time that was a few years older, so he was going to bars. I have an older brother who's three years older than me and we look similar. So <laughs> of course I took his ID and I was able to get in to places with my older friend and we would drink and of course I didn't think it was anything wrong with it, you know? It's been part of my life, a part of what, how I coped, how I had fun, just what was a part of me. I've heard so many times, oh, you need to stop and you need to stop. And I know now it was just to hide the pain, but it caused so much pain for others. The 18th of April is when I started my official journey at Wayside. Coming here, hearing different stories out of the Bible. I mean, I've never really read the Bible. Be only in church did I hear these stories or hear verses out of Mark, Luke, whatever. It was that month after. It was just I started listening and started hearing what they were saying, and I just would get something inside me. It's like, man, and of course I start crying. I'd be like, I could resonate with these stories. Let me just think about him all the time. Let me just let this work. Right at that time, I think something just clicked. I'd be like, you know what? I need to change. And again, like I said, I knew him, but I didn't know that I had to give him everything. And when I surrendered, I remember the day in the shower, just saying, dear Lord, I'm tired of being a screw up. I'm tired of the pain. And I dropped to my knees and I said, just help me, whatever it is. I used to look at the cross and know that he died on the cross for us, but now it's not the same. I know what he went through. I can't look at a cross and not see him carrying it and seeing him being whooped and battered and bruised and still pushing through everything for us, for me. And them just saying he could be your father and knowing I didn't have a father growing up that was there for me. And I said to myself, I could replace him. He could do all this for me. Let me try this. Let me give him my all. And I did. Next is Corey Viola. Corey! <laughs> Corey, share a little bit with us, my brother. Pour your heart out. First of all, <laughs> glory to the number one God, God Almighty. Amen. But as a lot of you've heard, I love the Lord. Amen. And that's what they've allowed me to do, have a relationship with Him. Because I knew Him, but I have a relationship with Him now. I'm sure you all know of Him, but do you know what He can do for you? My advice is to the guys behind me, just give it over to Him. Just being able to give this story, I know it's going to touch someone 
and I think that's why I'm doing what I'm, what I'm doing. I know he, he's gonna put me in a place to be an inspiration to others. I love what they've provided for me, and they allowed me to get that relationship with my Heavenly Father that I wouldn't have gotten anywhere else. I've let the Lord change my life, and it's for the better. And I thank Wayside in that fact that they fed me the food that I needed, which was Christ. Well, Corey's story is really why we do serve the world as a church. His story is just one story from one ministry partner of the dozens of ministry partners we have every year. So we are uh, encouraging our entire church family to uh, raise, our goal is $300,000 during the Advent season to prepare for ministries like Wayside and other partners will have in 2024. So if you'd like to participate in that, all you have to do is uh, go to our website or our app and click the Give button, Serve the World button, and all your gift goes there. Or if you write a check, drop it in the, the box in the back, that, just write serve STW or Serve the World on the memo line, and everything you give goes to, out to a Serve the World partner in the coming year. So thank you so much for your ongoing generosity. Well, we all have... Christmas traditions. We decorate Christmas trees. We bake cookies. So many cookies. Uh, We wear red and green. Many of you are wearing red and green. Uh, How many of you have a tradition where on Christmas Eve you open one gift? Everybody gets to open one gift. Anybody do that? We did that as a family growing up. Uh, How many of you have Chinese food sometime over? We're doing that today, in fact, at lunchtime. Uh, Lots of of traditions, and we have traditions here at church on Christmas Eve. We have the children's bell choir, uh, we light candles at the end, uh, and we um, hope that Christmas Eve's service is one of your traditions as a family as well. Well, when I was growing up, my dad developed a tradition of waiting until we were all in bed on Christmas Eve and then setting out one special gift that he had planned, and he would set it out unwrapped. And I think he had loved waiting for us to come downstairs the next morning and to see a gift that we did not expect just unwrapped there next to the tree. He took great joy in that. Well, fast forward uh, many years ahead to when my brother and I were both in college. Uh, And this particular Christmas morning, um, there had been no special unwrapped gift under the tree. After all, we were in college and we weren't little kids anymore. Uh, But we didn't notice our dad sneaking out while we were all opening gifts And a few minutes later, we uh, heard a car horn honking, like very close to our house, like right outside our living room windows. And we looked outside, and there was a car parked on our front lawn. It was a 1973 used Ford Thunderbird. Wasn't this car, it wasn't this new looking, but it was this car. It was this model, yellow, white, hardtop, two-door, about 15 feet long, leather seats, power windows, 460 cubic inch engine, about six miles to a gallon. I mean, it looked like something Elvis would drive. It was awesome. There it was in all its glory, and it was for us. It was my dad's surprise gift to my brother and myself. 
Now, our Advent series this year is focused on just the first 14 verses of John chapter 1. And so far, we've looked at three ways that John has described Jesus. Word, light, and life. And today, we look at the fourth word, which is glory. Let me read just one verse for you today, verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. We usually think of glory as um, great beauty, like we'll see a sunset or a sunrise, and we'll think of that as a glorious thing. We think of it as a 1973 Tiber, at least we did on that one Christmas. We think of glory as achieving fame or celebrity. We might think of it as power or position. But the word John uses here is the Greek word doxa, from which we get our word doxology. It means honor, praise, splendor, and it corresponds to an Old Testament word in Hebrew, which was kabod, which carried a sense of weight or heaviness, significance. So let me give you a definition of what the Bible means by glory. The glory of God is the sum total of everything God is, everything he has made, everything he has done, his power, his holiness, his goodness, his love, all made manifest in his presence. And just two things about glory I want to say today. First, the glory of God is terrifying. Terrifying. Now, I know that's a strange place to start on Christmas Eve, but stay with me here. When I was in about the 10th grade, uh, I was walking home from school one day. Uh, We only lived about a half mile from our school. And for some reason, uh, as I walked home, I'm maybe 15 years old, I was daydreaming, as you might do when you're a kid. And I was walking home, and I was just daydreaming. And somehow I got into the thought that what what if, as I get home, I realize that there are like thieves that have broken into our home and are threatening my mom and my younger brothers? What would I do? What would I do? Would, would, would I be fearful? Would I, would, I, would I save my family? I decided just on their walk, that walk that whatever the cost, if that was happening, I would step up and I would at risk to my own body and well-being, I would try to save my family, rescue them. Right at that moment, as I made that decision, I rounded the corner of our house and I did not realize that my dad had come home from work early that day and was standing on our front step. He saw me before I saw him, and for some reason, he thought it might be fun to go, ah! (laughs) My dad had a weird sense of humor, and I threw my books in the air, fell flat on my back in in abject terror, fell right on the ground. So much for the whole hero thing. Now, the interesting thing about the glory of God is that almost every time it shows up in the Bible, that's what happens to people, because it's terrifying. Let me give you a few examples from God's Word in Exodus. We see that Moses goes to Mount Sinai to meet with God. To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. In Numbers chapter 20, we read, Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The prophet Ezekiel 
has a vision of God's glory, and he says, I looked and I saw a windstorm coming out of the north, an immense cloud with flashing lightning and surrounded by brilliant light. The center of the fire looked like glowing metal, and high above on the throne was a figure like that of a man. I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal as if full of fire, and from there down he looked like fire, and brilliant light surrounded him. There was, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell face down. In Matthew chapter 17, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up onto a mountain. We read, there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. In the book of Revelation, right at the end of the Bible, John, as an old man, is looking into a vision of Jesus. He writes, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw someone like the Son of Man, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And then in Revelation 21... John's vision continues into heaven itself. He writes, The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. So as I read those, what do you notice about the glory of God? We notice it's overwhelming. It's, it's brilliant, like blazing fire, like consuming fire, greater than the sun itself, and terrifying, and the human reaction is always to fall down, often face first, as though dead before the overwhelming glory of God. Now, why this journey into the terrifying power of God's glory? Well, it shows up in the story we celebrate today, Luke chapter 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. In the ancient Greek, the, Luke's words literally are, they feared with great fear. It makes sense, actually, when you think about it. They're tending sheep, these simple shepherds, minding their own business, and the darkness of the night, I mean, really dark, no electric lights in, in that culture. Night suddenly lit up, split by the glory, a glory that's greater than the sun itself, a glory like a consuming fire. So I think we can assume that these shepherds, too, fell face first to the ground in terror. But as we read the story, they didn't stay terrified. Luke continues, very next verse, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. You see that? The glory of God is overwhelming, consuming, terrifying, but here we see the glory of God is also good. Do not be afraid, the angel says. I bring you good news of great joy. What was the good news? Like Sarah was getting out with the kids this morning. The good news was a Savior has been born to you. I want you to notice those two little words. We can almost read right over them. To you. 
to you. These were shepherds, men of the field. Uh, They were not scholars. They were not men of means. They were considered unclean, unwelcome in polite company, and unwelcome in places of worship. An angelic being speaking out of the consuming fire of God's glory comes to them and shares good news with them of all people. And that tells us that today, whoever you are, wherever you've been in your life, whatever you've done, however worthy or unworthy you might feel to even be here today, the good news is for you too. Second, it means that they didn't need to be afraid because God's glory and all its splendor and awe and power is now displayed in human flesh of all things. The glory and power of the creator of the universe in a newborn baby wrapped up in a blanket and lying in an animal's feeding trough. John writes it this way, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. A terrifying and an unapproachable glory made safe by grace and truth. Grace that forgives our sin. Grace that offers newness of life. Truth that we are not alone. You are not alone. God is with us in Jesus. Our oldest uh, son and his wife have a one-year-old little boy named Kish. So this is the first Christmas that Kish has actually paid any attention to the Christmas things going on around him. And last week, our son took this early morning an unrehearsed photo in the living room of their house. My first reaction when I saw it was maybe like yours. Oh, isn't that cute? But the more I looked, the more I saw. I saw the soft glow of the tree like the light shining in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. Then I saw how Kish is pointing toward the light, almost like a witness to the light, almost like he wants us to see it too. And then I saw how close the little boy is to the light, how the glory of Jesus is no longer terrifying, but rather safe and good. And then I noticed he was on his knees, And all of those things said to me, that's that's me. It should be me. That's all of us. So that today or this evening or tomorrow, we can see beyond our traditions, beyond the candles and the cookies and the gifts, beyond all of that to the eternal word the light of the world, who offers life in his name, the glory of the eternal God wrapped in the humility of flesh, and that we can draw near and fall on our knees. Would you bow with me? Word, light, life, glory. Lord Jesus, you are all of these. You are the glory of the eternal God made flesh that we may draw near to you. 
by your spirit, help us to fall on our knees in worship and to know and trust your grace and your truth. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. One of our traditions is to finish by singing together Silent Night, Holy Night. As Carly comes to lead us, I'm going to light the last candle, the Christ candle, and I'll walk down and I'll start the lighting of our electric candles and just pass them on to each other. Hold them up high enough so that we can all see your light as it gets lit as we pass it along the way. So please stand now as we get ready to sing. Carly. As we close with a benediction, following that, just uh, you can turn your candles off, take them back, drop them in the bin as you head out of the room. Thank you so much for sharing Christmas Eve with us. We now bow for the benediction. May we go now in the name of Jesus, the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. Have a blessed and merry Christmas day.